Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Adventure League changes, as well as uh, Lucian talks about his games, and I've got a problem at the table. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Can't wait to get going. It's going to be big. And may I just say, uh, may the fourth be with you. (laughs) Yes. May may the fourth be with you. And with you. Uh, Because it is May the 4th. It's unofficial Star Wars Day, or it's slowly becoming official Star Wars Day, I think. Um, And I saw some people running some Star Wars games on YouTube and Twitch this morning. So that's exciting. So there's probably going to be all kinds of... I would watch... uh, I would would check it out if you're interested in in Star Wars RPGs. There's bound to be a bunch of people running them today. So you can check them out. Yeah, there has to be a lot going on today, which is really good because Star Wars is a big big franchise that was something i thought was interesting like we're in this um do you realize 2019 is the year that we get the finale of avengers the big long running so all of you probably been out and have watched avengers endgame the biggest movie ever to release at this point we get the end of a culmination of game of thrones in 2019 which is in fact only has three more episodes to go and then we get the end of the skywalker storyline of star wars movies and anything that we get after 2019 is going to be beyond the skywalkers at this point we think so almost all of those big franchises coming to an end in 2019 and so that means 2020 does that mean we get the next big 10 year 20 year 30 year franchises starting up in 2020 is that first year i was listening to kevin smith who had i i don't credit me with coming up with that cool idea. It was Kevin Smith's idea. Who was talking. <laughs> but I was just like, I was like, that's so true. What are we going to get in 2020? That's going to start off the next big, huge franchise thing. I'd love to see like original content. Uh, Cause we had all those original stuff in the eighties that we're now like repackaging for today. Um, and mm-hmm. com- comics aren't really like that, I guess, because comics were a lot earlier than the eighties, but things like the Terminator, you know, and now, and then that's like, Oh, let's remake or let's make another Terminator. I want to see more like original stuff, which is why I'm trying to like support original stuff. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it's really hard not to go to those Marvel movies and things like that. So yeah. uh, who knows? The nostalgia train is strong and we'll see uh, what cool things happen in 2020 but for sure yeah it, there is a lot of stuff coming to closure at this point yeah um, yeah there was one be- one piece of bad news um and i and gray johnson just mentioned it in chat over there on youtube or we've got a bunch of people on twitch we've got a bunch of people on youtube which is really cool but we did lose peter mayhew yeah. and that's a big thing that chewbacca has been in many people's family as a beloved character i think for many years lots of kids grew up loving that type of character lots of us grew into adulthood loving that character and imagine the character who didn't actually have words or lines but was impactful in every single way through different type of intonations and then just facial expressions on a huge costume that they created and what effect that had you know just from that character standpoint so that was a really cool character and you know i think as a lot of our childhood um 
great movies and things that we are a part of all those people that were a part of that have become older now and are in that phase or i feel like i'm in that phase where all the things that i really loved in the 80s and the in the 90s a lot of those people are starting to get to that point where we're going to hear a lot of these things so it's kind of sad too bittersweet that you still have those memories and those cool things but these people move on i mean we lost princess leia we lost mm-hmm. you know peter mayhew at this point chewbacca so you know it oh, it's just so crazy so but that's a good thing to point out so yeah but dungeons and dragons yes, we are a dungeons and dragons talk show so we should probably talk about dungeons and dragons what yeah. is happening well oh i guess uh, a lot of stuff's happening um yeah. so last week somebody was like hey you're going to talk about the adventure league changes and we were both like but adventure Ooh. league what <laughs> so we didn't know that they existed um i've since read the article and kind of i went to reddit and there was some really good uh discussion there about like the yeah. future of it but it seems like what they're going to do is characters are now uh, – these are the, going to be the changes for Adventure League. Is Characters are now going to be semi-locked into seasons. Go ahead, sir. But these are like the first announcement of them. We have not seen the official Correct. rules yet, and things could change at this point, especially with the uproar that's kind of going on, which we're about to talk about now. But, yeah, this is what's rumored to be coming out from Chris Lindsay, who's kind of running the big thing, and this is what we've gathered together so far. Um, so characters are going to be semi-locked into seasons. So this, it seems like all of this is to combat people collecting and hoarding magic items. So if you're going to play in, uh, let's say tomb of annihilation, then your character is locked into tomb of annihilation to get magic items only from tomb of annihilation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you, you can still, you can still purchase magic items with your like treasure points that you get. Um, but there are certain magic items like story magic items that are in tomb of annihilation that can't leave tomb of annihilation and go to other things is my understanding of it. So if I'm playing this, when ghosts of salt marsh comes out, I can't use my ring of winter from tomb of annihilation in ghosts of salt marsh. And it just kind of was trying to like balance the different adventures. So let's say I'm, I'm, a dungeon master and I want to run uh, curse of Strahd and somebody comes up and they're like, well, I have a level five character from tomb of annihilation. Can I play in your curse of Strahd game? You can, but that character can't receive any magic items from curse of Strahd. Um, and so that was kind of how I understood it. Now on top of this, they're going to release something called dreams of the red wizards, which is like season neutral so it has nothing to do with seasons and all of your magic items can be played in there and you can get magic items from dreams of red wizards and that's supposed to be a continual like threat to Faerun that will have branching storylines and stuff but that one will not be locked to a particular season and when i say season i mean whatever storyline is out at the moment is usually what they're trying to coax people to play at adventure league. So when tomb of annihilation came out, they came out with all those like meat grinder rules where you had to roll a DC 15 on death saving throws instead of a DC 10 in order to survive. Um, and, and so that was part of that tomb of annihilation season. And they did the same thing when tales of the awning portal came out and curse of Strahd and, and storm Kings thunder, they each had seasons uh, and yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure it's just to to combat those problem players, which I don't think there are a ton of them. 
Um, but maybe it was a little unbalanced to have certain magic items and, and other things like I, and I can't even think of the magic items from other adventures cause it's been so long since I've read some of them, but well, the ring of winners yeah. a, a good, yeah. a good example, because that came from storm King's thunder. People are getting into adventures leagues a lot. You went into tomb annihilation, but the thing was you couldn't bring wing of winter into tomb annihilation. You couldn't bring it into season eight and you couldn't move certain things from, um, season seven to season eight when they made those changes too. So I wonder too that they, there always was like a set of, you couldn't bring, if you got Razor out of uh, Tales from a Yawning Portal somehow, you couldn't bring that into your Adventure League stuff uh, moving forward because they'd say these items are not this right. season legal. So you got a, uh, like you were able to purchase something else from the list that they had created as a hey you can't have this but you can have this right so i i think right now the discussion and i think like what your notes show too because when we went out and looked for this the discussions around players talking about what's going to happen to their characters and their magic items and that comes from a very player-centric point but when i read the dragon plus article that he wrote the thing that stood out to me about the change the seasonality change mm -hmm. was is they wanted to offer seasons where you could have different characterization options when you create your characters. So the idea of maybe only certain races are available in this season, and here's the rules on how you're going to create those characters and what's going to happen with those. But those that might not line up when we move to season 10 because that could change and it could be a different set. So all of a sudden, you have a very different feel for the types of characters you're creating in these different seasons instead of trying to create rules that so one character goes from season one all the way to season nine. And I think they were trying to move away from that or allow themselves more options, like you said, meat grinder rules for this season, but then that's gone for the next season. But we mm -hmm. bring in something different for that so these different sets and they they wanted to encourage you to have a new character moving forward in those seasons um is what kind of it came out of the article yeah yeah and that's I true like focused on what's going to happen to my magic items and the characters i have now um and we weren't really talking so much about what's the new season going to be like and what's my new character that i'm going to create going to be like and it was kind of encouraging people to try new characters i think because people get so tied with like well i just want to buff up this one character um and originally it was really difficult i feel to get from one to 20 but then they made those changes in season eight or nine i forget which one it was where um, and i haven't played adventure league since they've made these changes but uh they made leveling a lot easier to the point where i think you were saying in your tomb of annihilation game before it ended lucian is that you guys were leveling too fast for the adventure based yeah, on certainly. the new stuff so so this is also you're right it's a it's a way of encouraging players to play more characters or maybe like oh well i got this guy to level 10 but we're going to start a new season i might as well just start a new character and like just try out new stuff as well so but again yeah. i'm not yeah like I, I i feel like reddit really felt that they were trying to solve this magic item problem um and and I'm and and it was subtle in the Dragon Plus article. They were they were really focused on like have the fun with the new characters, but uh, there has to be an underlying hint of like or an underlying problem that they were trying to solve with this. I feel mm -hmm. again, I don't know what I don't really I didn't really experience these problems. Like people were very I don't know open about yeah. swapping magic items or not having them for a specific adventure. But uh, maybe these are more for convention rules. Cause I know people will take their, their broken character from their home, like 
we're playing uh, with Adventure League rules in my home and I can take that character to a convention and then all of a sudden I have all these things that I shouldn't have or something. But um, there's also going to be CCC, which is community created content that you can acquire magic mm-hmm. items from. And that will also be for any seasoned character can play in community created content and acquire magic items that way as well. So it, it yeah. really is specific to these like written seasoned adventures that they want to make sure that those, those items stick with those adventures, I guess. So. Yeah. And it even says in the article, while you can certainly play that character in an adventure from an older season, the character may not gain access to story rewards or magic item unlocks from those earlier seasons. So you can go back and play, but you can't bring forward any of the story rewards right. or magic items that you unlocked in that season. The character can continue to play, can continue to have story, can continue to level up and yes. gain experience and gold and stuff. It's just they're they're locking down the story rewards and the magic items thus far from what we're seeing from the article, which I, I you know, so it's, and like you said, the CCCs are the epics. They want to do more epics, which are these big things that happen at conventions or special events. Um, those are all Adventure League. There's going to have one, the first one's going to be happening in, the Descent, I think, is the first, I believe, season nine epic. So I think that's when it's going to kick off even for. So we're going to have to see the rules pretty soon because the Descent's coming up pretty yeah. soon. And it'll probably be around that time that they have that. So, And yeah. speaking of the Descent, the Descent is happening. Yes. Um, I know a couple people that are going, uh, which I'm really jealous of, and they're going to have tons of fun and be my eyes and ears on the floor. Um, <laughs> nice hopefully they'll send like me text messages fans, or do you mean like contributors that are going influencers that you know um well so i have a patron that's going and then i know oh, ted from nerd immersion who's going ted yeah, so. yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. ted and we know jim and and, and oh it's yep. gonna be jim there and Pruitt are going and so but people yeah i guess uh uh mostly my patron i'm just like you have to like send me messages <laughs> tell, me and tell me everything you see and he's like okay <laughs> um but that'll be really exciting so so and yeah, the big thing that I thought was really cool there was um, I'm really surprised too that wouldn't it have been cool had they announced a big tie-in with the Game of Thrones? Because the thing that um, uh, Greg Tito keeps mentioning at the end of D&D News when they're talking about The Descent is that the finale of The Descent on Twitch is the exact same time as the finale for Games of Thrones. And he, and he keeps saying it like, I hope you guys watch our show, but I realize there's this other big mega franchise right. that's about to end on that night um and so you know it's just like that weird timing thing but i'm just like wow isn't that a missed opportunity of i mean we're seeing so many other campaign settings or other games coming into worlds being kind of D and deified right because somehow there's um we're seeing acquisitions incorporated is getting theirs we're seeing um Magic the Gathering has been brought over. We've seen tie-ins to Stranger Things. We've seen tie-ins to some other stuff. Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and Morty. Uh, If they had somehow reached out to, you know, R.R. Martin and just was like, hey, let's do a Dungeons & Dragons version of Game of Thrones and have it, like, announce or release during that epic. That would have been crazy, but... I'm sure uh, they have plenty of stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. There is a Game of Thrones uh, RPG, RPG out there, I think, there uh, but yeah. it not not tied into D and D. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a lot. It's a problems with D and D is a lot of these worlds like like uh, everyone wants to play. Well, let's play D and D, but in Middle Earth, or let's play D and D in Game of Thrones. But like magic yeah. is so prevalent in D and D, and is so not prevalent in those systems. 
that mm-hmm. I wonder, like, because healing is so necessary in Dungeons and Dragons. And if you take away a cleric or a bard, your party mm-hmm. has a real hard time just surviving on hit dice alone. Um, but maybe that's a fun, fun challenge to play a game like yeah. that. Without well, there a is a 5e or with magical of Lord healer. of the Rings out there. Somebody there is. Put, I've seen it out there. Yeah. There is. Um, but I just say, like, if you want to be... I don't know. I shouldn't say this, but like true to the world, there isn't a mm-hmm. lot of like w- magical healing. Like you don't have a cleric following you around. Now there is. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is called. Uh, I would say a lower magic Middle campaign. Earth role playing game. No, that's not what it's called. There, but there is. There's a fifth edition version of the Middle mm-hmm. Earth uh, Lord of the Rings role playing game, and um, it has some really cool stuff. There's actually some really cool. Uh, I bought it, and it's got some story mechanics for going on a journey like Mm -hmm. if you need to go from point a to point b that could be your whole campaign is getting from you know the shire to helm's deep or something and so if you need to do that you can be like no your journey is this and there's all these really really cool mechanics of setting up a journey and how to go along your journey and the things that happen along your journey to make make it actually feel like um you know you're taking the ring to to mordor or something so really cool stuff That is cool. So we we know we've got a little bit of that coming out. Um, so I just it was just stuff that I was thinking of because yeah, of I all these th- tie-ins. I, yeah, you know, and, I didn't realize that it was on the same <laughs> night. That's crazy. So there was one item I threw in there that was a Kickstarter item. I know um, every now and then we just talk about Kickstarters that catch our eye. And one that caught my eye this week was the Empire of the Ghouls, a fifth edition campaign by Cobalt Press, because I really like a lot of the stuff that Cobalt Press puts out. I think their books have been pretty quality as far as the ones I've gotten. Um, Maybe your mileage has varied on that for what products you've gotten, but I've always gotten some really cool ideas out of it. And I love the idea of a big mega campaign against undead. That's always my favorite trope of Dungeons and Dragons is battling the evil undeads and necromancers and liches and, you know, crypts and mummy lords and all that kind of stuff. Um, that harkens back to those early 80 campaigns I played in where it just seemed like we were always bashing zombies or skeletons mm-hmm. or something. That was just, you know, always the big bad guy for us. Um, so that's over on Cobalt Press. It's uh, a pretty big book. The other thing I liked about it is not only is it have um, an adventure that spans, an epic adventure that takes you from 1 to 13. So this is like a true, not just, you know, a one-page adventure, or this is like on the scale of a, uh, Storm King's Thunder, Tomb of Annihilation style campaign. Big book, it looks like. They also have a player's guide that they're putting out too, which is kind of cool. That's going to have underworld races, new subclasses and tools, backgrounds, and undead themed spells, which I Ooh, thought that's was fun. really fun and cool. So um, I thought that was cool. And I like the way they set up their Kickstarter page. Like if I ever finally talked Jordan into doing a Kickstarter for us where we do our own kind of thing, I've got like a screenshot of this because I just love the presentation of it. I love the way they show your pledge levels. I love the way they give you the information. Um, I just like the whole presentation of it. There's it's very a, professionally done. Yeah, there's a there's a running joke that like you need to hire a uh, artistic director to do the layout for your Kickstarter page nowadays yeah. because they are becoming very flashy and very like, Oh, and we've got graphics and we've got hand drawn this and we've got all this really cool stuff. And it does, it, it looks really nice and it really makes it look professional and awesome, which is another reason to like, Oh, I should pledge. So mm-hmm. yeah, we have to like, cool. but I think the key to Kickstarter is to have the product like 95% finished 
and then try to kickstart it to like get the publishing money and things like that going. But like you kind of, and I was like, and Lucian and I haven't even started working on our project. So we got to, yeah, we got to yeah. do that first. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. We definitely, I want to be one of the group that where we're, we want to get just across the, um, the goal line, but we've already done 75% or yeah. 85% or 95% of the work. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And somebody in chat mentioned the adventures in middle earth was done by cubicle seven, another really good company. I've got oh, a yeah. lot of their books and stuff too. So that's a good a good shout out to that. So I just wanted to, that was the one Kickstarter I saw that I thought was interesting. I'm not telling you you should have to go out and do it. I am a big Kickstarter, put a bleep word in there, um, WH something because <laughs> I buy all the Kickstarters. I don't I don't know what it is about Kickstarter campaigns that grab me, but I'm I'm such a sucker for it. Like maybe they should have like you know how you have Gamblers Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. They need a Kickstarter Anonymous because I should be a part of that. <laughs> I go in and I'm just like, yes, I'm, I've done four Kickstarters just this week, um, or or I at least say it's been three weeks since I've pledged to a Kickstarter. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> It's the waiting that's killing me. Like, yeah. uh, I got a Kickstarter fever and I backed... There was just a lot of really cool stuff that happened. Um, like Arcane of the Ancients and and uh, this uh, witchcraft one. And I backed a whole bunch of them. And now I'm just like, oh, now I have to like wait like six months to a year. Like, yeah. this is frustrating. <laughs> I wanted it like tomorrow. But yeah. that's also kind of is... cool when it pops up in the mail and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. I think the good thing is the completion rate of most of these are in the high 80s or 90s because this used to be a pretty, you're not sure if you're going to get what you, you know, because this was like a, you're donating money to somebody to do a project that might not happen, right? Yeah. That was the whole deal. But it feels like these days you are getting your books. It may take a little longer than maybe they said. Sometimes it doesn't. But at least in these style, um, they've been getting them out. I haven't had one fail from a, um, a TTRPG standpoint, I've only had one other one that was a video game that was going to be kickstarted, but they never actually released it. So that was the only one that I paid like 40 bucks for and never saw anything from it. But that's okay. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be trying to help somebody who is um, doing this basically out of their pocket, but they're trying to get some help to do it. It's an idea. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. And you've got to be, you know, okay with that risk and reward. So, mm-hmm. So other than that, I also noticed um, a new mobile game that they talked about in the D&D show. Greg Tito talked about it this last week called Warriors of Waterdeep for your mobile devices. So there you go. Uh, I think you can pre-register right now. They didn't say exactly when it was going to be out, though they might have updated the page since I was there. Um, And it looks like a strategy game that you play on your, your phone. It seemed kind of, he called it action RPG, but it felt more like a turn base from the the screenshots that I saw of it. So um, we're going to see a little bit of that, but that also reminded me that this week, if any of you play idle champions of the forgotten realms, which is on steam and you can play it on a lot of different platforms, I believe spurt is the character you can get this month or this week um, or however long they run this event. So that was um, Chris Perkins character that played in, this is interesting to me, played in Matt Mercer's campaign, which is not a Forgotten Realms campaign. Yeah, but it was a character. But they put the so. character in. So, yeah, I was wondering about that. Are we going to see non-Forgotten Realms or was just this? I think it was a, a community demand because everybody loved the the character Spurt who lasted maybe all of an hour in that game <laughs> before, you know, spoilers, before something happened and Chris was like, 
grabbed his sheets and walked off, which was super funny. Um, I think people love that so much. So you can actually have Spurt. I, I went and unlocked it. I played last night. A Spurt is in my lineup of idle champions. So if you've missed that, uh, definitely go and check that out. That's a really fun game. It if was a really fun episode. Yet. I just listened to it a couple of days ago and I was like, what yeah. is happening? It was <laughs> the craziness. Um, the other thing they mentioned in that D and D news, if you missed it, Amazon, um, they've created a consolidated D and D page on Amazon. So if you're going to get all of your Amazon stuff, now I know Jordan gets a lot of his books from Amazon. A lot of times I like to buy mine from the brick and mortars. Um, lots of you get them wherever you can, but they do have a www.amazon.com forward slash dnd so the the letter n not the ampersand um and you can go there and they now have a nice consolidated area for you to get all of your dungeons and dragons needs from the i believe it's all the wizards of the coast stuff it's not necessarily everything dungeons and dragons related but maybe it is maybe there's people selling t-shirts and maybe there's there's like yeah there's uh apparel there's books like fiction and non-fiction there's various like DD or wizards of the coast board games like there's ravnica dice i'm seeing here um so yeah yeah, like adventure grids if you wanted that kind of thing so um dragon heist dice uh really good for the new people (laughs) like all of us we know how to find the things that we've been playing and wanting but i think it's great with all the new player influx coming in that they can just they'll find this now and they'll be able to get everything they need to really get going man the ravnica dice are only like 18 bucks there you go i do like ravnica dice (laughs) (laughs) um and then uh i i saw that um Jordan was going to put a link in there for us, so he'll probably post that in the chats. Um, there is an affiliate link you guys can go ahead and take a look at. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's amazon.com slash D&D, or if you want, um, you can you can support Jordan. <laughs> support, support the show Jordan. by using an affiliate link. I support link. <laughs> Jordan. I'll use it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. So like there's, I was sorry, I got distracted because I saw the icons of the realm, the star sailing (laughs) ship, star sailing ship for $215 too rich for my blood, but that would be really super cool to have that ship, uh, for (laughs) my upcoming salt marsh campaign. Um, although like my players are really excited for the salt marsh campaign that I'm going to start running and they are convinced that they will get a boat. And I'm like, guys, I haven't even read the adventure yet. I don't know if there's going to be a boat or not. Like, I mean, (laughs) there might be some kind of a boat, but I don't know if it's like something that you get to own and name, or if it's just like an old sea captain takes you out into the middle of nowhere and you fight Sahagin as you dive deep into the water. Uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll have to see, but, but it's kind of cool anyway. So yeah, Amazon has a nice page. Uh, that you can just see all things D&D if you want. Um, mm-hmm. There is also uh, Shadowrun 6th Edition was announced on May 1st. Um, and I guess in June they're going to have a more... Uh, well, I guess I should look at this website. They're going to have like a, a preview, sorry, um, at Origins. So they're going to mm-hmm. have a preview of it. Um, and uh, I have not ever played Shadowrun. I know a little bit of it because uh, they've made video games and stuff. But I've never played... Is it... I, I get the feeling that it's complicated. I think that's the general consensus with Shadowrun. Am I wrong? Um, some of the previous editions had been very crunchy. They are definitely one of those systems. And this is talking about previous, so we don't know what they're doing in 6th yeah, edition. Yeah, this could be a dice pool. 
So when you watch people play these games, their characters were quite intricate when you made them. And sometimes you'd be doing something and the, and the, the game master of that, which I forget was the name at the moment, would say, okay, go ahead and roll. And you'd be like, okay, I'm going to roll this. Now I'm going to pick up like 12 DC six and I'm going to roll all these and something's going to happen. So there was a lot going on mm -hmm. dice wise in some of those earlier editions, but it's also the idea of cyberpunk. So you are getting a very technological world. You're getting a very gritty world. You're getting this idea of the real world that's happening, but also the virtual world. So you're getting into those kinds of things mm -hmm. and hacking and maneuvering and breaking down security systems and all that kind of cool stuff. Very episodic style game. Um, and if you're just into, like if you watched Altered Carbon on um, Netflix or you watched, I'm trying to think of all the really cool Shadowrun style. I think there was even... Will Smith just did a shadow run style show on Netflix called bright. Was that the name of it? Bright or bright something or no, uh, that was, uh, that wasn't, Oh, that was Will Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. it was called bright. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. And it had like orcs, orcs in the modern and they day. They were like police officers that's, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's very cyberpunkish. That's very shadow run. And I think shadow is probably the most popular of the cyberpunk genre, though there were other games that were doing cyberpunk stuff. Um, I think Shadowrun was the one that everybody had heard about and had played at least a little bit earlier if they were into that genre. If you wanted more sci-fi, mm -hmm. then you wanted fantasy. So that was the way you kind of went. I'm excited. I like it. Catalyst Games is really good. They're, that's the company um, that has the license to it. They work pretty closely with the creator who is still alive and still does a lot of stuff. He did that in Battletech were the two things that he brought to us, which was really cool, so. Sweet. I'm excited. I'll, uh, that's it. Maybe we should do an Origins trip at some point. Where is Origins? Does somebody in chat know without me having to go and look it up? Where is the Origins actual convention at? Do we know? Is anybody going in chat? Let's I don't know. Because maybe that's one we should make up. Because I keep hearing a lot of people talking about we're going to do a release or a preview at Origins. And not necessarily Gen Con. We're, we're geared up and jazzed all about Gen Con. But I see a lot of people. Oh, it's an Ohio one. Okay. Columbus, Ohio. Well, that's not too far from me. I can drive that. I'll have to check out Origins at some point and put it on my convention travel year. Yeah, that could be fun. So uh, that and like cool. Gary Con, I didn't realize Gary Con was like as big as it was getting, and I kind of was like, oh, that would be a fun one to go to as well. So many conventions and PAX Unplugged. They just announced dates for that. Um, yeah, I did that last year. It was a good yeah. one. Lots of fun. Yeah, I did Gamehole Con, PAX Unplugged, and Gen Con. So this coming up year, I've done. Game Hole Con, Gen Con, and on. maybe I'll look at Origins. I don't know, or maybe Pax Unplugged again over in Philadelphia. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I had the coolest idea yesterday. So uh, we were, for some reason, we were talking about like Harry Potter RPGs a couple weeks ago with my D and D group, um, and I found like a one-page Harry Potter RPG, and then uh, the guys over at uh, Dragon Friends, which is an Australian podcast, they did a two-session uh, one-shot of, um, well, I guess a, a two-shot. Well, it took two sessions to get through this like story where they played this like one-page RPG of Harry Potter. And then I got thinking about Kids on Bikes and how much I like that system. And I'm like, why don't we make a Harry Potter Kids on Bikes called Kids on Brooms? 
and I was really excited. So I spent uh, all day, well, I spent yesterday evening and this morning working on transitioning kids on bikes over to uh, kids on brooms and how, how you can have the different things. And I, I, it translates really well. And it really shows that that system has a lot of fun storytelling potential. So, um, and I talked to Lucian about this just before the thing started, but I want to get mm-hmm. him and some other people, and we're going to try and play um, a Kids on Brooms story as, some, as soon as I come up with something. Uh, but that that's – and then I'll put it out as like a free PDF, I think, for anybody who wants to like do this conversion. But I did so much Googling. I'm like, how come nobody's come up with this yet? Like it yeah. blew me away that nobody's come up with do this. Do we already have Quidditch so, match rules is what I want. Well, and that's what I need to come up with. <laughs> I yeah. need to come up with this kind of stuff. It's but uh, anyway, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, just like you know, you get those projects where your creative juices just start going like crazy, and you're like, oh, I gotta yes. like write this down, and that's exactly what happened. And I got really excited, so I kind of put all of my other stuff on hold and started doing that, which is not smart because I have a lot of videos to make and a lot of research to do. But I got really excited for this. So, um, anyway, keep your eyes out for kids on brooms because I wanna I wanna make this happen. Uh, and I'm, I'm working on character sheets and all this other fun stuff. And I, yeah, we'll make that happen. But uh, Lucian, you were traveling a whole bunch, but you still got some games in, I hear. Yeah. Um, what have you, you from been hotel doing? Rooms. From hotel rooms. That's crazy. <laughs> so in gaming this week, so what did I actually do in Dungeons & Dragons this week? Uh, it was an all-player week for me. I decided because of the way my schedule was, I didn't want to try to run a game because I've been running them on Friday nights, but... I just got tired. I went to Utah, and I'm back, and now I'm going to be traveling to Colorado next week, so there's a lot going on. But I got to play my Tomb of Annihilation, which is my sixth-level character, which is really fun. Um, no big spoilers there. I think most people have seen this or know that you're in the jungles of Cholt. Um, and we had one of the cool, iconic fights that I think every group that goes through Tomb of Annihilation should get. This is the second time I fought it, and it was still fun, even the second time I've done this, which was the big zombie T-Rex, because I just... That is such a cool, iconic art piece of artwork that they give you with it. It has a cool mechanic to it. Um, It's scary to think of a T-Rex anyways, and then just add the aspect that it's a zombie on top of that. Um, That is just cool. And what's inspired me a lot at the moment is just before I was playing that night, I watched a bunch of um, walking dead to get into the whole zombie (laughs) vibe. I knew we were going to be attacked by zombies and it was a big zombie horde that came after us. So it was super fun. And it just reminded me that GMs, if there was one thing I could take away from that, that I was going to put into my campaigns is always remember to have an iconic, big bad fight kind of thing every now and then it doesn't have to be all of it you can do lots of cool rp sessions you can do lots of cool diving into backgrounds um, mysteries and solving puzzles and things but the one thing that players talk about years from now is always going to be that big battle that they barely made it out of against this crazy thing that they were even shocked to think about you know whatever it was what just something that came out of nowhere they had no idea it was going to be there and what it did and that's the thing they remember the most you know just putting those you don't have to do a lot don't think every single session has to have that but you know every couple of sessions i mean i'm talk i'm sure jordan what are some of the big like when you're players you have 12th level character players in your main campaign Mm -hmm. what are the stories that you hear them talk about nowadays what are the things they hearken back to no, it is things campaign. like, uh, and it's not even like the bosses that they, they're like, oh yeah, we defeated that boss. It's usually like, remember when we fought a giant purple worm 
or mm-hmm. um, one of our favorites was the Oasis, which was an, an oasis that's actually a giant ooze. And so they had this like lake sized ooze attacking them that they had to figure out how to defeat and things like that. So, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and I think that's uh, something I enjoy, too, is putting together things like that, like a giant that throws gelatinous cubes at players. Like you just kind of mm-hmm. p- pick weird things like that. And then all of a sudden you have those like gonzo kind of encounters that people seem to enjoy. So, yeah. And that, that just helps them in it. It cements those. And they'll probably be, even if the combat in at the moment seems long and drawn out, their memory of it isn't about what dice they rolled. Their memory about it is their the way they pictured this battle unfolding. So like our characters were talking about, the, uh, we had a campfire. We got surprised while one person was on watch, but that person rolled a really bad perception check. So they were right on us when it happened. So in our in my mind, I'm thinking about, the jungle's quiet. My character's sleeping. I hear the snapping of the twigs. My eyes open, and it's this horde descending on our camp. Our our druid turtle decides to cast a, a tidal wave to push back this, this mob. He puts out the campfire. Everything goes dark. We have players that don't have dark vision. Now it's worse because things are grabbing at them. And it's just like we were all thinking about it in our mind. None of that happened as we were rolling the dice or the other part of it, but it was that when you think back on it, you always think of it like a movie or you always think of it as like an action sequence. And that's the thing that, that sticks with you. So just that whole idea. So I just thought it was really cool. We had a great time. The players had really fun. The dungeon master was rolling amazingly. Danimal, he was rolling those zombies and we'd hit them and we'd hit them pretty hard. And he'd make that darn saving throw that the zombie went right back to one point and stayed alive mm-hmm. for so long. It looked pretty crazy. We weren't sure we we're going to get out of it. And then the, the big zombie T-Rex shows up. And it's just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And uh, But we made it through. We had a fantastic fight. And we finally made it down to the city of Omu. Um, and that's not too much of a spoiler for anybody that's playing that because I'm sure your party will eventually get there. But that's about as far as it goes. So I just iconic fights are really cool. That makes those campaigns memorable. And that will be a piece that I remember um, going forward. Then Thursday night, I'm playing in Horde of the Dragon Queen, which is the first – adventure league season one that we would have gotten when fifth edition released mm-hmm. they consider that season one stuff so i, I love this I'm, I, I want the idea of them i'll play through all of them although it's not adventure league we're just playing through it um but those adventures really, it would be really fun to go through it would be yeah, yeah yeah i think it'd be super cool to go through it them takes all so order. many years though but <laughs> <laughs> it would be epic um and one of the cool things in that one, not to spoil any of the story that's going on, we had some interesting, you know, adventure. We got to do some scouting. We got to do, try to figure out a mystery that's going on. And then we had a nice yeah. combat, just a good mix of an all-around D&D session. You might one solve the, a mystery or rewrite yeah. history. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of our players, it was her birthday while we were playing the session. So, you know, it was kind of a happy birthday, but our, our dungeon master as a kind of a birthday gift allowed that person to adopt a baby guard drake. These creatures that we've been fighting have these big, large guard drakes, which you can think of as, I don't know, something between the size of a dog and then the size of a horse, maybe like in the lion or tiger size, but it's a dragon kind of based character, dragon drake. So you'll see like kobolds will have them or, Sometimes maybe they'll be run around with orcs and different things like that as 
additional creatures. Well, we found a pen where they were training these things and the, the uh, dungeon master allowed that one of our players, the one that had the birthday, to imprint with one of these baby drakes. And now is going to allow them to raise it and have it as a pet. And it reminds me that there's one big thing of that whole session um, that I, and I thought I want to put in our notes is dungeon masters, game masters of all the games and all the, the different stuff you're running. Don't forget that your players love having pets and companions and, and extra stuff that they can deal with in the game and that anybody can have it. There is not just you, you have to be a ranger. They're the only ones that get a pet or you have to be a druid so that you can use the spell to summon creatures. And that's the only way that's not true. Anybody can have pets and mounts and cool um, magical and exceptional mounts in your game. It's just up to you to put the opportunity in there. So provide those opportunities to your players to maybe get something cool, maybe get a baby mana core that they, they raise up. Is it going to unbalance things? Well, sure. But so did, you know, when you gave them that plus five Avenger sword or you gave them the, <laughs> the, the, the ring of three wishes, you know, lots of things unbalance our games or, yeah. or we have to adjust because we give them to them. But I think it's a cool, and I mean, it, it, I know we always talk about it on the show, but we talk about Jordan, um, wife who has a pet corgi yeah. who is a main character of the campaign and that's just a, a cool thing and maybe everybody should get something like that everybody should have a cool little thing that they can tie into or and it brings them into this magical world like so does it does it uh lessen the Beastmaster ranger or the find familiar spell if you just start handing these out though i you know i'm sure that is the um the one ranger who plays might say something like that, but I can't imagine that it does because if I have a, a mount or a paladin gets a, a mount, um, many people can get the spell to conjure things, whether it's elementals or conjure animals or conjure beasts or conjure demons. Mm-hmm. There's all these spells that have come around that give you, there's imps and there's familiars and there's all these things. I don't think adding in something where you say, you know what, it'd be cool if you guys found um, in Matt Colville's there, the goblin has a di- displacer beast as a mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, their goblin archer has that. So I think that's just adds some really cool things. And I've got these books for baby beastery and some cool mount kind of things. And imagine like your party eventually works hard enough. And in Storm King's Thunder, you can do some missions where your party can acquire griffins as mounts, Mm -hmm. which I think just adds that really cool thing that maybe make your campaign stand out from all the other campaigns out there. It's not just we only ride horses and we ride horses all over the place because it's not like if we're playing Games of Thrones, that makes sense. There's only three dragons in the world. Everything else is horses. That's what we use. Mm -hmm. But we're in Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, people are going to find a way to have crazy cool ways of transportation crazy cool ways of companions and pets and even if it's npcs or even if it's henchmen or even if it's like you have a squire that follows you around that's the same as having a you know i have a lion or a tiger that runs with me too i'm a beast master of some sort so i think give your players that because your players will love it um they will love the idea of having something extra in the world that is exciting and mystical and magical and out of the ordinary, you know, just not just something that feels ordinary comes from our regular world, but comes from this fantastical world that you've built. Yeah, no, so. I agree. Um, I think just, yeah, like there's, if you want to be more mechanically aligned, there are 
uh, items of figures of wondrous power that you can give as magic items. Yeah. But I, I do think just being like, no, I raised this baby displacer beast and now mm-hmm. I have a displacer beast and he doesn't necessarily level. So there's probably going to be a point where you're protecting him rather than he's protecting you. But um, I, I like that idea. I mean, it was one of the reasons I think uh, Drist was such a cool character is that he had his Panther familiar, like running around with him. So, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so very cool. So that was what we did um, for this week, or I did for playing Dungeons and Dragons. So I've got a lot of Dungeons and Dragons 5e in this week, which was really cool. I can't wait till next week. I'll do the same thing. I'll probably play, I'll probably um, run my game Seeking Revenor next week because I don't have any travel after that week. So I'll be, I'll be pretty good. So Cool. What did Jordan do in role-playing all week long? Well, mostly I've been working on videos, um, and so I've been researching a lot of Out of the Abyss. I've been rereading that adventure, which I think is my favorite adventure um, that I've, I haven't read Waterdeep and Dungeon of the Mad Mage, but I've read all the other adventures, and I think that uh, – out of the abyss is just my favorite i love that they are lost in the underdark and i love that they have like once they escape it's like well now that you got out and you told us all of the stuff that's happening in the underdark we need you to go back in and they're like what like there's just so many cool things that i really enjoy about it so i'm having fun writing that um been working on kids on brooms because i'm really excited about that (laughs) uh and then the only other thing that i've been doing is my dungeon crawl classics game which uh if you are a patron of mine you can listen to the mp3s of uh have it up there as a podcast um and we've been having a good time we're playing through an adventure called the one that watches from below and the cover is just a bunch of eyeballs it's really cool and uh, the my players are basically in a town. They're level two, and they are exp- uh, they got wind that there that there is a bunch of money um, underneath this this cave of secrets that they they found. In the cave of secrets, you go to the cave of secrets. You give them a thousand gold. You go into a uh, you fall asleep, and then in your dreams you'll get the answer to whatever question that you have posed. So it's this way of getting these magical answers. So they're curious about like, well, where does all the gold go? If people give a thousand gold a pop to this place, there must be like a whole bunch of money. So that was kind of their character hook to to uh, to dive into exploring the cave of secrets. Um, mm-hmm. They get there, and this is kind of a touchy subject. I want to talk about one of my players is not having the most fun with the campaign. And Mm -hmm. I want to avoid, I'm going to say the word, but I want to avoid using the word problem player because he's not a problem player. He's just Mm -hmm. not having fun. And Mm -hmm. I want to provide him the best experience as a dungeon master, as a judge for DCC. And I want him to have a good time. That's part of the whole reason we're playing these games together. I'm not trying to be combative or anything, but what happened is they're exploring this area they end up finding a dwarf that has no eyeballs in his in his head. Instead, it's just smooth skin where his eyes are are supposed to be, and he's alive, but he's very like unresponsive. And they're kind of like, "Well, that's weird." So that was clue number one that something might happen. Uh, later on, they're trying to open a door, and there are these magical gems above the door. Well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that because I'm giving away the adventure. But anyway, long story <laughs> short, they, they end up touching this. Our, our thief ends up touching these gems and his eyeballs leave his body. 
So now mm-hmm. he no longer is playing his thief character. He's now supposed to play a pair of eyeballs that can move around on the walls, the ceiling, the floor, um, underneath doors. The game uses this mechanic as a way to, or this module uses this mechanic as a way for the eyeballs to scout ahead, get a feel for what's going on, come back, and then try to relay that to the party with like yes or no questions because they can't talk. They can blink once for yes or twice for no. Um, mm-hmm. There are some other creative ways that they can kind of communicate with the players if if the player is creative. Well, after uh, sadly, after a couple sessions of being eyeballs, my player says, I don't want to be eyeballs anymore. And and I'm like, OK, uh, well, there and, and I gave a spoiler. I was like, there is a way of becoming not eyeballs. You have to find it. And he's like, well, can you just hand wave it? Like, I just don't want to like just make my character come back. And Mm -hmm. he used the word that the eyeballs are anti-fun and he's not getting the DCC experience. And Mm -hmm. I think those are very legitimate things to say because he's not able to play his fun thief character. And so he's not able to utilize his thief abilities. And he is feeling like he's not playing a Dungeon Crawl Classics character. So what would you do in this situation? Um, first I'll tell, I'll say this, like, I'm hesitant to hand wave it because I think that's kind of a cop-out fix. Like you're not, you're not playing an RPG for me to say, every time you die, we just say, oh, you didn't actually die. Or anytime you lose Mm -hmm. a limb, you say, well, you didn't actually lose a limb. Um, or, or anything else that might happen. You didn't actually lose your magic item when you threw it into that sphere of annihilation. You know, Mm -hmm. like your actions kind of have to have consequences And I want him as a player to utilize the tools that he's been given, which are these eyeballs, to try to figure out a way of not becoming eyeballs anymore. How does how does he cure this affliction? Uh, I don't know. And so thoughts on this. This was something that I've been thinking about all week because I really want my player to have a good time and he's not having a good time right now. But how do you convince a player to utilize the tools he was handed to make the best RPG experience that he can have with what he was given, I guess. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because it comes down to a lot of things that we talk about, right? It comes down to the dungeon master and the players both wanting to play the same style of game. And this is a style that they've just bumped into and didn't realize what had happened. Like when you explain to uh, like your new party and you say, Hey, we're going to play this campaign and it's going to be gritty or there's going to be consequences to actions. Those I think sometimes are just words that we hear, Mm -hmm. but it's not until we hit the first consequence that we go, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. This is what we're playing. And some players are going to react to that in certain ways. And then some aren't, are going to bump against it. And then we run into the idea of like, you want to keep the theme of the game which is a a more hardcore theme. It has more, there are um, consequences to your actions. If you do something dumb, you're going to get a really bad reaction to that. And And not that he did anything dumb. Like he, he, he triggered a curse, but like, yeah. 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 (laughs) But like, I I think that's true. Your actions need to have consequences. Yeah. So let Um, me equate it to something that happened to me in my game where my character, we walked into a room where it looked like um, we had read a riddle and we went through and it said, if you are in the light, the way we interpreted this riddle is if we were in the light, we wouldn't be cursed or something bad wouldn't happen. But if you were in the dark, 
then this room had some bad trap that was going to happen to us. So we get to this room and we put the torches up on the walls thinking we've solved the problem. And I just think, well, okay, my character just goes over and grabs the thing and I immediately turn to stone realizing we did not solve the puzzle right we thought we had to solve and then it was like oh now what my mm -hmm. character is stone <laughs> and so for me i had to sit back because now am i rolling a new character is my party gonna be able to find a way to make me not stone am mm -hmm. i alive am i dead what is the repercussions of this so there was a lot going on and and depending on how good natured your player is or not um, you're going to get a different reaction. I like to role play, but other players want to play that character they built. Yeah. They have their mindset around, I am the cool thief of the party, but if I don't get to backstab and I don't get to sneak and stealth and I don't get to do this, I don't even get to talk, right? If yeah. I play that character correctly, I'm not even talking. We're miming things together with eye blinks and other things that we're doing with the way my eyes work. So to me, here would be my question for Jordan, the judge. How long would you expect your player to be eyeballs? How many sessions before you think it's too much? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, How many sessions should that player play good-heartedly, good-naturedly, mm -hmm. and then get to a point where it says, okay, enough is enough? Well, considering we only have one session left of this game <laughs> okay. and we've had three sessions and he's been eyeballs for one and a half sessions. Um, I would say that like two to three sessions, I think you would, you would have to be, I, I mean, here's the thing is there's a way to solve the problem. Like mm -hmm. go, going back to your petrification thing, there are ways to solve petrification. And mm -hmm. if that, and if this was a longer running campaign, uh, so and now going back to eyeballs, if eyeballs was a longer running campaign, I would say, you know what? Roll up a new character. We'll find you hidden somewhere. So now you have your eyeballs and you have your new character. Um, and then you guys can go on a like month long journey to basically cure his eyeball problem. Mm -hmm. But this is, they know that this is a module and I've told them frankly that there is a way to solve it within this module Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would, I don't know. That's, I want him to react and be like, oh, okay, cool. Like I should be more explorative and I should like do this. And maybe I need to just leave the party alone because if the party's not going to help me, I'm going to go find out how to be this by myself and go explore and do awesome stuff. But, mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know, that doesn't really answer your question, but it's kind yeah. of a weird situation because we are playing this module that's like four to five hours long and we play yeah. in two hour increments. So literally the next session will be done. And, so. the, and the reason I ask it that way is because that's how I would have tackled, like you said, how would you do this as a judge? So Lucian yeah. as a judge, if it's short campaign, I know I'm only going to run six to seven, maybe eight sessions. I want my player to have the majority of those sessions as their character. It's okay if one of them stumbles upon a curse for maybe two or three-ish, but I don't want it to go much past that. To me, I probably change the curse to be something that lasts for 24 hours or lasts okay. for a certain amount of time, even though I know there is a way to do it quicker Maybe if they find a puzzle or they find yeah. a cure. Or they well, do and I the think that is the puzzle is figuring out the cure. Like yeah. that's to, yeah, that yeah. to me is the puzzle and it's part of the adventure. Yeah. But I think I, because it's shorter 
And I wouldn't want it to go past, like if I'm getting into session four in these eyeballs, and that means four, three hour or four hour yeah. sessions, we're into 12 hours. I think we've ran the gamut of what that was supposed to do, right? We've, right. we've got the full experience of it. I feel good about it. Maybe we can let that move on. Um, I, but I'm, I understand not just hand waving something or just like if it happens and then 20 minutes later, he's like, Hey, Jordan, I'm, I'm not getting to be my paladin. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just floating around as a ghost. I can't interact with anything. Nobody can hear me. It's only 20 minutes later. I'm not as sympathetic, <laughs> but if we're like two to three episodes in, yeah. then my sympathy starts to move towards that player because we do want them to have a good time. We want to introduce crazy mechanics that they have to deal with and we hope that they embrace, but I've run up against puzzles that we couldn't solve. We had one in Tomb of Annihilation where we were just like with the DM, we just kind of put our hands up and we're like, we can't solve this. Maybe our characters are smart enough to solve it. Maybe there's something that we should be putting together. And to him, he felt like it was super obvious. It was like, why aren't you guys figuring this out? I've given you all the clues. And he would say them over and over. He'd be like, here's the clues, this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And we were still like, dude, we don't get it. We, <laughs> we're just not getting it. I, I'm sure when you tell us the answer, we'll be like, oh, that makes sense. But yeah. we're not getting it. And we're going to spend another five hours not getting it. So what do you want to do here? You know, so it's like, nobody's having fun. Like nobody's having fun because we're not getting it. He's not able to give us any more clues. Where do we go? So it's a trap that all of us as dungeon masters and yeah. game masters will happen into. Um, and just be careful, you know, and it'll happen. You'll probably do it wrong one way and you'll do it right another time that it happens and you'll do it wrong again some other time. And who knows? It's just, there's no easy answer to it, but the idea is to remember the fundamental reason why we take time of our day to do this is to go play a game with our friends and have fun. Mm -hmm. So if we're playing games with our friends and we're having fun, I think that's the important thing. No, that's good said. It's well said. Um, <laughs> and it, I think I was getting trapped that I'm putting too much expectations on this player where I'm like, well, I would behave like this. So I want you to behave like I would. And I have yeah. to remember that he is a different person and he's probably playing games for different reasons and mm -hmm. ultimately, I think what it really comes down to is DCC is not the system for him. Um, some of my yeah. players have been really enjoying DCC. This particular guy, I don't think really enjoys how like gritty and gonzo and weird it is. And he just kind of wants to play the character that he built as opposed to having all these weird things happen or, or he, I don't think he enjoyed the funnel aspect where it's like, Oh, I make four characters and the one who survives becomes level one. I just want to make a level one character. If I want to play a halfling, yeah. let me play a halfling. And I'm like, well, it doesn't work like that. We roll randomly. And he didn't like that at all. So it yeah. comes down to again that it's like, well, this isn't this just isn't the system for him. Mm -hmm. um, so and I don't that's know. The warning, I, that's the I, warning flag yeah. right there. And so the, the questions. Yeah. I'm really sad that this eyeball thing happened to him because it probably happened to the worst possible player, uh, mm -hmm. or not the worst. It was the worst thing to happen for that particular player is what I was trying to say. Right, because right, it only reinforces his idea that he's not having fun exactly. all of a sudden. Because exactly. one, I've already had to do something that wasn't fun. And then now this thing happens. It didn't happen to the other person exactly. that you know, just runs with it. it yeah, so it just, it just cascades. So, yeah, so I, I think my options are I might allow him to roll up a new character and pretty much let him roll whatever he wants to roll. 
because mm -hmm. I want him to have fun. And so I'm like, well, you know what? We'll throw away all of this random creation out the window. If you want to play um, a fighter, if you want to play another thief, if you want to play whatever, like roll a new character, we'll work him into the story somewhere. somewhere. You still have eyeballs if you want eyeballs to run around and then we'll we'll kind of uh, go from there. Because I what I... What I really think I shouldn't do is fix his thief and make the eyeball curse go away because it is part of the story and it's important that they have those eyeballs maybe for the future of the story. You know, like there's a reason that it was introduced so early and there's a reason that it goes throughout the entire campaign. But mm -hmm. it's hard but for it him to see that when be... he just thinks it's anti-fun. So. Right. But they also could have immediately said, we need to solve this. Like my party, a couple of the parties I'm playing in now, if one of us gets turned into an eyeball, we're going to try to figure that out immediately. Yeah. So the thing could still happen where we solve whatever it is, the cure in the same session that it happens. So we don't have the eyeballs for future parts in the, in the thing, because if we just tackle the problem, we don't move forward. We're not using them for scouting, which is like what you're kind of getting this idea of. They're going to be a great, tool for you to scout ahead the problems that you're about to face but some parties are going to solve that before they even do it because they don't they think it's a bad thing to have a curse no matter what yeah um and then so they don't have them either so i, I wouldn't get so fixated on they need these eyes to continue through it's going to be nice if they have them and it's great if a player is willing to go through it but there's gonna be a lot of parties that would be just like no we need to cure this guy i cast greater restoration i'm good right. to go yeah no that makes sense uh Cool. Uh, Skull Dixon says something really point that I'm not that the 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 adventure was designed for like a four to five hour session and I'm not running it in a four to five hour session. So that could also. Yeah, it's kind of we're, we're doing like three weeks of eyeballs because we run two hour sessions instead of one long session that we could kind of like spend time there's a lot of factors in this but i thought it was interesting and it's something that a lot of dungeon masters uh face um so with that thank you for chat thank you chat and thank you lucian for talking me through that so um i now have more tools in my basket to talk to this player next wednesday and see what we want to do to basically ensure that he's having more fun with the game and willing to continue to be a participant in the game so um, and with that, I think that is the closing out of our show. Anything else we need to talk about? You probably have alarms going off because I see you're muted. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's got some stuff going on. But is and there anything? Okay. Good. <laughs> anything else we need to talk about before we take off? No, it's been an exciting week. We had a lot of stuff for the show. It was so fun to, to run through. It was great to see everybody in chat. Go to the YouTube if you missed it. Definitely talk to us in the comments of those or even on Twitter. Send us those messages about how do you handle these things? How yeah. do you deal with the things you come across? Do you like giving your players pets and cool mounts in your games? Uh, what are the Kickstarters that you're looking for and excited about? Send all that stuff to us because we want to keep the communication going. We want to keep the conversation going and the discussion going. And then we'll see all of you next week when we bring all the more information, more news, yep. and more gaming goodness. Of the thrilling conclusion to Jordan's yeah. Dungeon Crawl Classics game, uh, it'll be really interesting. Um, until then, guys, keep playing games. Have a good time. Uh, indoor adventurer, I should send you a message when I get this more finaled out, but we should work on Kids on Brooms. And uh, with that, I will see you guys all next week for another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I got to go over here to transition. Transitioning. Bye, everybody. Bye. 
Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.